0: Generally, what I'm hearing consistently is that there's no religion that's got all the answers. Mm -hmm. They all lead to the same garden. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: My new saying I like to say is all roads lead to home, Mm -hmm. which is that place that we go back to. And so, it, you know, it doesn't matter if somebody's got it right or got it wrong or have a mistake or that's the path that they chose mm-hmm. so to be here and hang out and experience and, you know, be the scientist with the helmet on, the cone of silence, because, mm-hmm. listen.
2: Well, he's got a few books. But Hacking the Afterlife is uh, the latest book, which I haven't read yet, actually. I'm going to read that book. And I'll pop the Amazon links up on my uh, website. You know, I'll put this YouTube and iTunes on my website, on a page on my website, and I'll put my affiliate links there. I always forget to tell people to do this. So if you want to buy his books, uh, he's got The Tourist Guide to How to Navigate the Afterlife, which is called The Flip Side. Uh, it's a wonderful afterlife. He's got a few books, and these are books that are all researchers, but his latest book is Hacking the Afterlife, you know, that's the one where he's got Jesus and Amelia Earhart in there having a chat from the other side. So it'd be interesting to see what they have to say in Hacking the Afterlife. So head on over to my website and, um, you know, purchase them on my affiliate link and I'll get a couple of cents. It's a way of supporting the the show. And uh,
0: thanks. You got to accentuate
2: the positive. you're listening to karen swain teacher of deliberate creation accentuating the positive showing you a way to a better life
0: accentuating the positive it's not just fad it's sanity who in their right
1: mind would accentuate anything else whatever you want my dear
2: whatever i want there you go whatever i want (laughs) hello and welcome to another show accentuating the positive with karen swain well i have the magnetic and wonderful rich martini with me today richard rich known as rich martini often
0: stirred rarely shaken (laughs)
2: This is going to be a fun interview. (laughs) Um, Let's call it a conversation. I never interview people. I do fire a lot of questions, but I like to have conversations, as you know, people who listen to the show. Now, let me just read his bio here. Now, what have we got? Now, Rich is a writer, director, author, and an award-winning filmmaker who has written and directed eight theatrical features and a number of documentaries. His first book, Flipside, A Tourist's Guide to How to Navigate the Afterlife, went to number one, twice on Amazon. <laughs> how did you do that? I'll have to pick your brain about how you did that. And uh, he the book is the transcription from the documentary he made, which is available also on Amazon. I'm reading this off Amazon, so Amazon's giving itself a plug, um, which is Flipside Journey into the Afterlife. And, uh, it's also on
0: Gaia. Or,
2: I'm getting there. Also yeah. on Gaia, I just watched. Uh, yeah, I watched it on Gaia recently because I watched you and George Norrie chatting it out the other day on Gaia TV, and um, which reminded me to reconnect with you and uh, you know get this get this happening. Fabulous conversation with George Norrie, Love that. And I did watch the flip side, which features Michael Newton, who has exited the Matrix and he's on the flip side these days. Yeah. And uh, it's a great it's a great movie. Welcome. To the show, Rich.
0: Thank you, Karen. I appreciate it. What a treat to be here. I mean, here we are. You know, the magic of the internet. Here we are. You're somewhere in down under, and I'm Dunanda. somewhere on the west coast of uh, California. And I was just, you know, off camera. I was saying I was down in uh, in Sydney, and I just, I'll tell you, my experience being in Sydney. I felt like I had fallen into the future, because really? I was there in like '97, okay. and I. I just assumed that Sydney would be not that different than, let's say, Manchester or some, you know, old town in England with, you know, industrial. No, there's like, there's a monorail. Every place I went to, every 7-Eleven has like the best cappuccino you could buy or flat white. And I was just, and then going, you know, the the support system, getting on a boat and going across to the zoo and coming back. Mm. I just couldn't believe how advanced i felt being in australia so all oh, i can wow. say is i can't wait to go back but nobody wants to invite me. So.
2: i'll invite you down this way i speak to a lot of people in america and you know i do look for fascinating people to talk to in australia and there are many of them but i tend to Uh, you know be attracted to the Americans don't know why but I do have this dream to bring you all down under one day and we'll you know chats and feature you and do things but anyway one of the many things that I'm up to but uh, it's interesting to hear you say that about Sydney I remember years ago when I was a kid my uncle talking about how beautiful Sydney was and um, this is a long time ago he said I've traveled the world and at that point I hadn't traveled the world and he was saying, Sydney is one of the best cities you'll ever find in the world. And I remember thinking, really, is that true? And then I did a bit of travelling myself. <laughs> and I guess it's not one of the best cities because there are just exquisitely beautiful cities, you know, in, in Europe and places with history and architecture that's out of this world. And Sydney is like nowhere like that. But I suppose as a modern secular city, it's pretty cool. Yeah.
0: absolutely. I mean, you know it's just one of those things where I expected one thing and then I found something completely different right. and I must say I've been fortunate enough to travel the planet and for viewers who are tuning in who might who might know a little bit about my journey um, it, it sort of began when a close friend of mine passed away, this actress Luana Anders and I'm this is coming to Sydney in a second but mm-hmm. when she passed away she started coming to visit me and I started wondering like how is it that she could visit me i was seeing her as younger than when i knew her so i was Mm -hmm. getting like new information from her but ultimately um it was like she had lit a fire under me because Mm -hmm. i had her ashes and i had said to her before she passed i said you know where do you want me to scatter your ashes and she said everywhere you go and so from that point i was like oh all right, well, just like her to give me a lifelong task. And so from that point, I suddenly went everywhere. It was very strange. I mean, I was in mm. Moscow. I was all over the planet. I was in Tibet. I was in India. And I took some of her ashes with me wherever I went and put her in a river. So if you think of all the major rivers of the planet, she's there. And I must tell you that when I was in Sydney, yeah, you know, I didn't tell everybody, look, you know, you don't tell people in customs, like, what's that bag? And, it's my cocaine. No. <laughs> I was, you know, I'd be carrying my a little bag. One guy once opened up the bag. He said, what's that? I said, that's my friend Luana. He was like,
1: ah, I put that back in.
0: Here, take that away. <laughs> I got down to the Sydney Opera House, and I thought, well, this is a good, good enough place. You know, I'd never been there before. But the sky was, I kid you not, it was as gray as you've ever seen a gray sky. And the water was a little choppy. And I got out there and I poured a little Luana into my hand. Yeah. Okay. So I had like a handful of this ash and a wind picked up. And I was thinking, okay, it's getting windy. I better do this quick. And I threw the ashes into the water and they came right back and hit me in the face. The wind shifted in that moment and like and i was covered and like head to toe i've never done that before or since and i was laughing and now it gets interesting because the sky opened up i kid you not karen the sky opened up and a shaft of light came right down to where i was standing
2: oh my next God. to that
0: opera house and i thought wow this is hilarious not only is she orchestrated the ash in my face <laughs> But she's also somehow, I don't know how you orchestrate that, but it was very dramatic and I'll never forget it. I did take a picture. It's, you know, it exists somewhere. Um, so
2: she has a good sense of humor and maybe an even better sense of humor on the flip side.
0: <laughs> well, I can, I can tell you that that's kind of, a frequent thing that people say. So people familiar with my path and journey, just in a nutshell, flip side, I, through Luana, she had told me that she had a recurring dream that she was somewhere in another galaxy in a classroom.
2: Okay, so where, she said this to you while she was embodied. Yeah, while
0: well, she was still okay. still. And embodied. I, I didn't. It was not a topic that we talked about. But she said to mm-hmm. me, "I think I'm going to another galaxy." And I said, mm-hmm. "What do you mean?" She said, "Well, I have this recurring dream that I'm in a classroom and everyone's dressed in white, and they're speaking a language I'd never spoke." I've never heard before, but somehow I completely understand. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, that's the morphine drip, you know, they're right. giving that to her. But then I mentioned it to her nurse and the nurse said, that was, that's, that was her dream. That's her dream. She had it all, talking about it all the time. And the day she passed away, I got a call from a close friend of hers who said, I had the most wonderful dream about Luana last night. She was in a classroom. She said in the fourth dimension. And and it was a class in spirituality. And I thought to myself, what class? What is she talking about? And it really wasn't for another maybe 10 years that I was introduced to Michael Newton's work, this hypnotherapist from Los Angeles who did thousands of cases. And in chapter one of Journey of Souls, there's a guy saying, you know, I'm in a classroom and it's a class in spirituality. So at that moment, I took that as a message, like a a, you know, doorbell, ding-dong, to focus on this research and start a documentary. So I focused just on people under deep hypnosis, which is the method that Michael Newton had sort of perfected, four- to six-hour sessions. There's a wonderful uh, hypnotherapist, not in Sydney, but he's in Melbourne. His name is Pete Smith. I and have if you... to
2: Pete. I have spoken okay. to Pete. So,
0: yeah, and Pete's the president of the Newton Institute. Yeah, And he appears in, there's an interview with him in the second book I did, which is called It's a Wonderful Afterlife. That's volume one and two.
2: I know, I haven't even gotten to the books that you've got. You've got all these it's amazing all right. books. No, but it's, you know,
0: nobody you. wants to hear about my credits. You know, I'll, let's just talk, let about,
2: talk,
1: about let's it.
0: talk about dream time. That's what we want to get to. All right. So ultimately, um, when I this, like I say, Pete Smith, very good hypnotherapist in... Mm-hmm australia if you're looking to do this kind of journey but i focus primarily i've filmed by the time i wrote Flipside, i had filmed 12 different sessions and i had done two but then by the time i've since then i've filmed 45 and i've done five and And so
2: you've done you've done personally five you've been hypnotized or not hypnotized you know under five times
0: correct different hypnotherapists Right. And I did, a, I did number two specifically because I was thinking about this research. Right. I had done my first session with a Michael Newton trained hypnotherapist in Chicago, a guy named Jimmy Kloss. And they, I never thought I was going to get anywhere, but I went precisely where everybody says they go. And so the, I came back with all this footage and I started transcribing it into a book. And then I thought, well, wait a second. What if I do another hypnotherapy session? What if I don't go there? What if I go somewhere else? You know, what if I don't see myself as a Native American? What if I see myself as, you know, it's an experiment? So Scott DeTamble, who's out here in Los Angeles, and I filmed a number of sessions with him, Scott said, well, why don't we try one? And uh, Karen, it was as if I had left the garden gate open. He started counting me down. Wow. Let's go deeper. He got the deep and I was there. It was like I had left the door open. I was just stepping back into the state I had been 2 years earlier. Okay, what made it okay. what it made it interesting as mm-hmm. in terms of research was that events that happened 2 years earlier that I experienced in real time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm stepped through the veil. I'm in a classroom. I'm talking to my friend Luana, which is a funny story because I I didn't know you could get anywhere, but here I was doing this hypnotherapy session, and he said, "Where do you want to go?" And I said, "Well, gee, I'd love to visit my friend Milan. Yeah. And now I'm in a classroom, and I see her, and it's a giant auditorium. And oh, I'm, I have this fan; I should turn that off. Um, giant auditorium. Sorry, you've probably been hearing this humming for a long time.
1: Yeah. And,
0: anyway, and uh, and I start speaking. I I appear. I see myself in the classroom, and I see everyone in the classroom turning around and looking at me like, what the hell is that? Like, imagine if suddenly somebody appeared right here and started talking to us, and you and I would be like, what the hell is that? Uh-huh. That's what they were doing. They were looking at me like, why is that guy talking? And I, I saw my friend Luana in the back of the class, but she was about 20, way before right. I met her. Right. And I, I look at her like, oh, there's Lou." And she says, she looks at me like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? And I, but I'm now responsible to talk to the hypnotherapist who's like, what are you seeing? And I go, "Uh, well, I'm in a classroom and it seems like I'm not supposed to be here because they're all looking at me like, why are you talking? And I said, but it's a, but I'm here. So, and I came all this way, why don't I just talk? So I said, look, this is a classroom in the healing light of the universe, the, all these students are learning how to channel that light to heal people on earth. And as I said that, one of the students turned around and he looked at me and he said, you don't know what you're talking about. I thought, isn't this weird? If I'm making this up, why would I challenge myself? Yeah. But, but I went, I said to the therapist, oh, he's telling me I, I don't have the story right, but Listen, this is a classroom in channeling the light of the the healing light of the universe, but not everybody signs up to be healed. Not every doctor signs up to cure everybody. Some people sign up to experience illness so they can become doctors in future lifetimes.
3: Right.
0: And when I said that, the student looked at me and said, well, I guess you do know what you're talking about. Oh. So I continued on. Now, the point of my story is two years later, I'm with Scott DeTamble here in California, and we're doing a session over at his Different office. Different
2: hypnotherapist, yep. Mm-hmm. Different
0: hypnotherapist. He says, where do you want to go? And I said, I'd like to go, and I'm there. And now, but what's weird is two years have gone by, but 20 minutes have gone by. I'm in the class. The class is ending. I'm standing with Luana, who's now next to me, She's speaking to the teacher, very tall fellow, and saying, this is my friend Richard, and he's working on this project, and I want to apologize for him interrupting our class. <laughs> you know, imagine, like, what? Like, what's going on? Where am I? Oh, my gosh. There are, she's apolog, apologizing, and I'm looking at this tall teacher, and he looks at me, and he goes, so what do you want to know? And I thought, oh, my God, this is so hilarious. I've traveled right back to this moment, 20 minutes later, two years later. And I asked him my questions, you know, what, well, so what is the class about? Is it about blah, 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 blah. So all I can tell you is time works different over there than it well, does here. Well, it
2: does, but I'm going to get back to that. Cause I want to know what the questions were that you asked him and what he said to you.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I, Transcribe that session. And it's in, I want to say, uh, Oh, it might be the end of Flipside. It might be right. there mm-hmm. because the first part of the book, I had the first session and then the last second one I had the last one. Um, but the kind of questions I asked him, and this is part of my journey, which mm. is let's pretend that we can access the other side. Let's just pretend I'm not the only person who can Karen can anybody can. If you ask the right questions, or anybody under hypnosis can, obviously, and if you say to somebody, oh, you're going to do a hypnosis session or hypnotherapy with a Newton-trained guy, ask if you can go into a classroom. And now they may not even know what you're talking about, but they're, they're doing a session, and they, the hypnotherapist is looking at their, like, stuff you wanted to look at. Wait a minute, what's this about a classroom? the person under hypnosis is now standing in some class that they're familiar with
3: mm.
1: and
0: those classrooms, which I've been to many now, since then, like I say, five, five times, I go to a lot of classes and I say, so what's, what do you teach here?
2: Mm-hmm. What
0: is your class about?
2: About, mm-hmm.
0: And I've seen, uh, I've experienced You know, it's hard to say. I've experienced something when it doesn't make any sense. You know, it's like saying I've been I've been inside a rainbow. You know, you say it and people look at you like "Uh, get out of here. All I can tell you is I've been in a classroom environment many times. Mm -hmm. I've spoken to teachers.
1: Mm -hmm. Each
0: one looks a little different, and I've asked them, "What do you teach here?" And it's always something to do with energy management, meaning. Folk meaning shifting energy. Well, I'll give you an example. One class I went to, they were teaching students how to create objects. So, oh, here's one right here. Okay. So, it was something like this. It was something like a crystal, mm-hmm. but it was pink. And the students all had these small pieces of pink crystal.
1: Mm-hmm. They were like
0: lo- elongated, translucent. I could see them. And I said, okay, you guys are making crystal. How do you do that? And the teacher said, let me show you. And he pointed to uh, the chalkboard. Mm -hmm. No other way to put it. And there were these symbols on the chalkboard. Some of them I recognized. Signed for, for, uh, I think it's a circle with a line through it. And it has to do with time. So he was saying, and I said, explain these to me. What do they mean? And he said, they mean crystals are made with intention over time. Incredible pressure. You have to put a lot of pressure into it, but ultimately the end result is this crystal. And I said, okay, well, you know, what's the value of that? Well, later on in the session, I went into a room where that was filled with all these different crystals.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: students themselves, using their intention, thought, were able to create physical objects why why is that worth noting it's because it's what we do in between lives we go back home and we depending what our what our um, background is yeah what our focus is we yep. might yep. we might go to different realms and create planets yes. that would that would help with life 50 million years from now. Right. So, so we're not allowed to interfere with life. That's sacrosanct throughout the universe. I've heard it many times. Yeah. But we are inspired to go and say, you mean if I take this little thing that I've created and I add that spinner aspect to it, right? I got those two things going. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think I've got, Oh, a shell. Okay. I've created a shell. So you're starting the building blocks of life by doing this kind of work. That's all. Like that's all. It, so, so part of my journey is to try to ask questions to teachers on the other side to find out. Hey, how do we fix the planet? How do we make water, salt water to fresh water cheaply? How do we fix air? Blah blah blah. And since those. <clears throat> sessions between life I'll, I'll, you know in a nutshell i took my research for flipside to the university of virginia and i presented it to the scientists there very forward thinking guys that are on the cutting edge of this kind of search research they call themselves quantum scientists and i said guys you know here's what i've learned and they said well we don't consider hypnosis valid as a uh. scientific tool well that's okay i said you know however Even if even if you're using like a pyramid hat, Mm -hmm. when you have a thousand people say the same things about the journey and they've Mm -hmm. never met each other, then you have a data set, however Mm -hmm. you got it. And so by the way, since then I've learned that they are studying hypnosis because I spoke to somebody who did some sessions. So they are using this. That was like 10 years ago when I presented that to them. But ultimately they said we have been focusing on near-death events because you can actually catalog that a guy comes in, like what did you see, did you see a light, did you see a person, what did you see? And Dr. Bruce Grayson is very, you know, forefront of this research. Anyway, and so I started focusing on people who had near-death events. The theory being, if what people are saying under hypnosis about the afterlife is accurate, let's just pretend it is, okay, set that aside. Then people who are having near-death events which science has studied, let's examine their experiences. Do they match up? You know, if somebody says I went to heaven or I went to see Uncle Pete, you know, on a barge in Schenectady or whatever, in, yeah. in Darlinghurst, in Darlow, you know, that's heaven. Well, then you'd have to find two or three other people who said the same thing, right? That would be the theory.
2: That would be the theory, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, Ugh. So what I found, I'm sorry to blabla you found a no, talker
2: no, i know it's great i don't i've actually you've answered so many questions that i, I kind of thought i'd throw at you you've already answered them but keep going
0: <laughs> no no i'm reading your mind i know I'm, it's great. I'm reading the, I, I
2: can reading just the sit the back prompter,
0: and, the stuff you wrote down. just no, drink but, my cup of tea <laughs> go ahead no but that idea of so if a near-death person has an experience and this is what i found which is people who claim they went to heaven you know, Bruce, uh, what's his name, Even Alexander? Eben Alexander. Yeah. You know, his, his, his experience was, you know, or the little kid, uh, Todd Burpo, whose book was Heaven is Real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people find a way to sort of knock what they're saying. But what I focus on is what's new information. So in Even Alexander's case, even though he was calling, he never calls it heaven in the book. They call it, you know, the, mm-hmm. the publisher put that on the book. But still. People talk about it as heaven, a place you have to go to, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, when the, and so he meets a sister who he didn't know lived. He was adopted. After he was there, he had this experience where somebody guided him around the afterlife. Mm. And afterwards, he described this woman, you know, I felt like I knew her forever, but I've never met her before. And then mm. the adopted family, the family that put him up for adoption, sent him a photograph and he recognized her immediately. That was the girl who had taken him around. She had died before he was born.
3: Yeah.
0: So he couldn't have known her. Can't be cryptomnesia or something like that. Same thing with Todd Burpo. He was back home and saw his little sister. And mm. he came back and said, why don't you tell me I had a sister? And his parents were like, you know, we, uh, we didn't want to tell you about that. But it's uh, the point is, not the content of what he's seeing, but the people that he's met. So he's met his sister. It's new information. So I'm focusing on that a little bit. What's the new piece of information here? And what I've discovered is that people who've had near death events and these deep hypnosis sessions, they call that place, not heaven, but they call it home because I found that after almost all of the sessions that I filmed during the session, the hypnotherapist says, where do you want to go now? And I did it too. And they say, I want to go home. So I'm getting to the punchline, which is, so the past two or three years, I've been focusing on mediumship and how Mm. to mediums, you would think if they're taught, if they really are talking to somebody on the flip side, wouldn't they describe the same things that these other people, right? Mm. If Mm. they're actually somewhere. So um, I describe how I met this medium in my last book, Hacking the Afterlife, Jennifer Schaefer. Mm -hmm. And she works with law enforcement agencies on missing person cases. She's very good at what she does. Um, I would say that not every medium is one hundred percent. It all depends on who's asking the question and how, and how that process is. Sometimes she misinterprets what she's seeing. Well, that's
2: a thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but and sometimes they give her something that is difficult to interpret, and so therefore you don't get quite the answer right. However, what I'm doing with her is instead of what a person normally goes to a medium for, they want to often, you know, cause my love life and like, what's going to happen in the future. Right. Those are the two big things. Yeah. I, I don't focus on those at all. Two reasons. One is your love life is your love life. You probably set it in motion before you got here. And number two, I've discovered there is no future that's locked in. There's likely outcomes
2: Probable realities. Probable probable
0: realities, Mm -hmm. but based on free will, people screw those realities up.
2: And based on your vibrational frequency and what you're creating. Yeah, I know.
0: Yeah, so, which now leads me to what we're doing now. I'm just finishing up now, but I've been doing it for about two, maybe three years. I meet her once a week, and I interview people who are no longer on the planet. But I don't ask them to prove to me that they exist, because I've already proven that many times, that they do exist. What I'm focused on is give me new information about your journey. Who was there to greet you when you crossed over? Yeah. How do I look to you? What do you occupy your time doing now, you know, during the day? If you create objects, like objects, if you create an object, how do you do that? And the answer is math.
2: Math. Math. Sacred geometry.
0: Eh, math. Math. (laughs) I mean, we can call it sacred, but it's math. I mean, it's like...
2: Yeah, sacred. Right? You know, a human word. What do you call it? But cosmic geometry, uh, consciousness geometry, whatever. Math.
0: Math. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I just one last thing. It's just funny about it, which is I was talking to Scott DeTamble, my friend who was trained by Michael Newton in hypnotherapy. He's very good. And I was talking to him about guides about meeting guides, you know, you meet these guides over there, and I do it quite often in my work where I'm now having a conversation with, I'm talking to somebody who's seeing their guides, and I'm saying, describe them to me, you know, and a lot, a lot of times they'll describe, you know, these like wizard hats, you know, or a shaft Mm -hmm. of light, or like a Mm -hmm. bishop Mm miter, you know, and it's or sometimes they're huge, and whatever, they're Mm -hmm. majestic in so many ways, like that word sacred, They're majestically sacred. But when you ask them, can you show me what you look like to yourself? Like if you're holding a mirror up without all this props and costume, Mm -hmm. they're light. They're light. Yeah. And so as Scott said the other day, we're all just blobs of light.
2: Blobs of light. And we
0: we do dress up to to make it a more important statement, right? You know, you're talking to, you're channeling someone, let's say, and, you know, they're going to come through as like, you know, oh, my gosh, they're 20 feet tall, and they're pointing their finger at me and whatever. But ultimately, they're blobs of light. No different than you. I know.
2: Oh, Rich, you've said so much. It's been rich. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's what I do.
2: I know. It's great interviewing you. I don't have to say anything. <laughs> just, well, okay, I'm just, okay, I, that, that, me,
0: that's, that's me, the table. Now let me, let's see. I know. Let, what do you want to know? The
2: table. Look, there's so many dishes I could pick up off this table. I tell you. So there's something that you said that stuck out that I just want to uh, reiterate. So, they experience this illness because they are going to be a doctor in a past life. I find that so in important. a future life, Yeah, in, in a future life in another life. So I find that so important because so many people die tragic illnesses. You know, my, my daughter's stepmother died at 49 of cancer. Her mother died bowel cancer at 49 of bowel cancer and I was having a bit of a, cause I work as a medium and a channel and all that good stuff. I was having a bit of a um, fraught thought about it because she was young. My mother died at 50 of cancer. And I was thinking, you know, I could have died at 50 of cancer as well because people say, Oh, it was genetic. You know, if it happened to your mother, it's going to happen to you. And I'm thinking that's yeah. BS, you know, we don't need to repeat our parents' lives. And that was something I set out not to do. Hence what I do now. And, Um, So I was having a bit of a fraught sort of thought about it. And she came to me and this, this grace, this grace just descended over me. I'll never forget it. I was shutting the curtains thinking she didn't need to die so young. She didn't need to die so young. And she said, nothing has gone wrong here, Karen. Nothing has gone wrong. It's all perfect. Please don't fret. Please don't worry. It's all as it was supposed to be. And in that moment, I felt the peace of that and the grace of her communicating that to me but i didn't understand why and just listening to you say people you know create diseases and die of cancer because in a future life they're going to address that in some way as a scientist as a doctor as a healer as an energy you know so, and it just that just sort of dropped when you said that the penny drops when right. you said that yeah and
0: That's
2: um so fascinating fascinating what you're doing oh, wait a okay. second
0: now this is your mom right
2: this was my no. This was my daughter's stepmother. So it was my okay. husband's second wife, yeah. and um, yeah. So she beautiful. Have you seen her?
0: Has she shown up since then?
2: Look, I, I just that one time. I, I really don't chat to her. I, I kind of got another. I got a whole mob. I chat to. I call my guides <laughs> the mob, okay. and there's a lot of them. And uh, and you know, I see clients and you know, I chat to their mob. And uh, so there's a. Few, it's kind of busy. We're kind of busy, but um, she hasn't been too present in my life. I think that she's more hanging out with, you know, my ex-husband and, and her, she's had three daughters, you know, she kind of hangs out with them more. Yeah, than,
0: she's got her hands she, juggling
2: a lot. Yeah, but you know, okay, so you saw yourself on the other side in a classroom while in hypnosis. So yeah. this is showing us our multi-dimensionality so we are leading these lives simultaneously you are in your hysteric astral body whatever body you were in during that time being in that classroom you know the fact that you two years later you're 20 minutes into the same session is saying that you're there you know Interview. I'm still there, right? You're there now. I'm just like not you're aware dead. of it. Yeah, you're yeah. dead and alive simultaneously. Like people say, yeah. you know, he died. Where did he go? But the truth is, we never leave. Like,
0: well, we it's, leave. An it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting quantum conundrum, and I yeah. just want to, if I can address it for one second, and that is, Michael Newton started asking people under deep hypnosis. So, how much of your energy did you bring? And he found that people would say anywhere between 20 and 40%. Yeah. And then I included that question in the sessions that I filmed and I found the same results. And so if you want to just put it simply, we only bring about a third of our energy to any incarnation, a Mm -hmm. third, just one third. So what's the other two thirds up to? And when I asked that question, the other two-thirds, which is always back home, mm. is attending class. Yeah. Do, I mean, not just class, but having all kinds of adventures. So think of it as, so it's almost like quantum entanglement, because, you know, quantum entanglement is that weird thing of you have an ion over here, and you have an ion over here, and if you affect this ion, this mm. reacts, no matter mm. where they are in the universe. Mm. Mm. I think it explains why you find soulmates, why you find people that are of like-mindedness, mm. because you're vibrating about that same frequency, and you seek them out just the way they seek each other out. But it also explains this two-thirds of us always being home. So if in a simple sentence, it's like we're alive, conscious energy alive. Before we come here, we dumb ourselves down, because the human physique can't handle more than about a third. Mm -mm. Some people, some avatars that have been here, claim that they got a higher frequency. They got a little bit more like Jesus, let's say, Mm -mm. or uh, people that I've run across in this research. They claim that avatars bring more. That's why they seem so when you get close to them, you have this feeling of unconditional love, just being around them because they're bringing more of sorts. Can
2: I say something here? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So I read Michael Newton's books years ago and um, a, a healer friend and um, and I used to sort of play with some of this when we would get together and I was chatting to him under, I don't like to use the word hypnosis, but under, let's just call it Yeah, under. yeah, sure. And I was talking about, you know, the percentage of energy frequency we bring like we, that animates the body and he was saying that, it differs during your life, like you'd say, an avatar. I found that
3: too.
1: Yeah, that's right.
2: And I said, okay, so when did it differ for you? And he said, oh, when I was a teenager, I had less. Like I was more, maybe let's call it ego focused Then maybe. Uh, it's. I don't think we have words to explain this, Rich. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, body focused. He was more. Yeah,
2: more body focused than, consciousness focus like i i don't yeah because the body has its own consciousness like the body has its own yeah. and i thought wow fascinating interesting because you know as children we seem to be more psychic and connected and then we go through the pubic you know the puberty thing and we become teenagers and we become grumpier and more resistant and more <laughs> you know like we become less
0: Speak for yourself, Karen.
2: (laughs) Well, definitely I was. Like we become. No, no,
0: I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but here's what. Here's what. It turns out that the human skull hardens about the age of eight, so it's almost like the reception is not as good as it was. So, in other words, it's pliable up until about the age of eight. So this is. I mean, this is kind of borne out in the research where up until the age of eight, many children do remember. Oh yeah. I was your mom in a past life, or yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. and then it hardens, and then it's not so much, I mean, that is part of the journey. I had one person describe incarnating as being in a rocket ship traveling at, let's say, two or three hundred thousand miles per hour, and you jump out, and when you get into the body, you hit the body that's like a Ferrari running at 200 miles an hour. Yeah, So it's just it's an adjustment. However, wow. that machine is running. So when you jump into the seat of the cockpit, you're unfamiliar with this machine you're in and you reach around and you're toggling switches. And you're saying, wait a second, I thought this was gonna this is not working. This switch is broken. But you're like, you're in for a penny and in for a pound. And now you're just going to adjust. And so now you adjust. And of course, part of the journey that you signed up for if you look carefully at the contract that you signed up for to yeah. play that role, the agreement. Very bottom, the agreement. it says, yes, it says, you know, in perpetuity throughout the universe and things may not be as large as they appear. Other things about your body are not going to function the way you thought they were, but get over it, deal, deal with, with it. it. You'll, you'll, you'll it. figure it out.
1: Feel so, I,
0: yeah. And I think what happens is, and it, like your friend was saying, you know, the energy I've, Seen, even though michael newton thought of this as a finite number yeah. i've heard from people that it changes it changes depending if you're in a coma
2: mm-hmm. right
0: while you're asleep
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, other consciousness altered events like mm-hmm. a near-death experience or maybe a mm-hmm. drug experience ayahuasca or whatever yeah you may then and so that energy may you might feel more energized or you may zip off and reconnect with the other two-thirds. And it's like you do under deep hypnosis. Yeah. I felt that. Um, the first time I did a session, you know, I, I went through this experience of remembering a previous lifetime where I was a Native American. Right. Your conscious mind the whole time is mocking you. Oh, yeah, sure, you're making this up. You're a screenwriter. Come on. But ultimately, when I made my yeah. path back to this other place, I could feel how depleted I was energy-wise, and I was instructed to sit in a chair, and I found myself, you know, surrounded by these lights, and as almost like in Star Trek, where I was re-energized or reanimating myself, mm-hmm. and I could see parts of my body that were just completely wounded, healing, you know, mm-hmm. coming back to light, mm-hmm. and then feeling, once I was back, as if I had merged. You remember the film... Terminator, two, and okay, in that I
2: don't think I watched that one. But, all I know. Right, but
0: <laughs> yeah. there's a there's a wonderful robot in Terminator two, played by a guy named actor named Robert Patrick, and whenever you hit him or shot him, like a yeah. piece of him would fly,
3: yeah,
0: and then he'd stand there and it would turn into molten lead or what silver, and then race across the field and reconnect with him. Like it just was coming back to animate. I can't think of anything in life that does that other than maybe water. But it's that idea. You reconnect with your energy that's back over there. And now you're feeling 100%. And you remember your previous lifetimes. You can goof around. You can shift your consciousness around. You can do all these things that you were talking about.
2: I know, like like you say, access all areas, you've got the backstage pass. And, and I often say that about my mob, you know, they've given me the backstage pass because for some reason I seem to be able to access all areas if I want to. It's not yeah. like I do all the time. But, um, um, you know, because you access what you need to access when you need to access it. But, you know, putting it into a percentage, I just our energy is so infinite. I think that only the human mind needs some sort of structure, some linear uh, concept to try and wrap our puny little linear minds around. To anyway. say two thirds, one third is just a way to understand it because I think our energy is infinite and we beam that, you know, an aspect, a part of that energy into animate this beautiful little, you know, yeah. bod. Well,
0: I, I only use it in terms of, and I know what you're saying, but I, yeah. I only use it in terms of, the body of research on the topic, yeah. which is yeah. to say that, you know, Michael Newton's claimed that he had 7,000 clients, be, you know, before he published. And so, so he's claiming that, you know, tooth like a third, well, 20 yeah. to 40% yeah. was the, it was the median.
1: Yeah, and
0: yeah. some people I've heard him say, well, I brought 80%. And I've heard other people say, you know, well, I've only got 10%. And I, you know, wow. so I think to myself, I think at this moment they're accessing that you know, Mm -hmm. while I'm asking a question,
2: right? you know,
0: it's, and it happens all the time when someone's under deep hypnosis where you, you, they're remembering a previous lifetime and they'll say, "We will say, what year is this? And I'll say 1870. And then a little later on they go, Oh no, no, it was 1807. And it's almost like the memory shifts because they realize that can't be, I mean, you know, I'm remembering these events and I knew that that didn't happen then, you know, whatever. And so I'm thinking the mind as you're remembering details, whether it's a number or you know or something else but, It's but shifting.
2: What I really feel is that as we start on our spiritual exploration and journey, we start to expand that percentage let's call it mm-hmm. uh, we start to you know Oprah Winfrey had this guy on her show years ago um now don't ask me his name, but he was in a he was in a plane crash. And he was exiting the plane as he was watching the burning bodies burn in their seats. And he was not spiritual at that point at any time. But what he saw was he saw lights um, leaving the body as people were burning in their seats. And he said some lights were brighter than others. And this sort of put him on his spiritual path. And he said you know, I wanted to investigate what that light was and why were some bright lights brighter than others. And, and then that took him on his spiritual exploration. And he said to her, you know, I want to be one of those bright lights, you know, when, so when I exit the body, I'm going to be a bright light that exits. So I think that what he's saying, he's, we're talking, he's talking about the same thing as you, as you expand your awareness and your consciousness, as you raise your vibe as you become more loving, you get over all your grievances, you forgive people, yada yada, you know all that stuff that the good stuff that we're supposed to do. You you allow more of that light to inhabit your being while you're here, and then you've kind of got access, or you know, you've got more access to all of that.
0: Oh uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, you know, I'm so. just, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I, it, it goes back to this thing of understanding the journey, and for me, it's like, okay, what is the journey? Like, how does the journey work out? I just remember George Harrison comes to mind.
1: Mm-hmm. He was
0: worried that, because at one point some guy stabbed her, you I know, mean, tried to kill him. And he, and he was really? like, yeah, stabbed him in the neck at his home, broke into his house. And he said, you know, that he had, you know, been taught and learned in, uh, you know, the Hindu religion yeah. that your, your moment of death, it was really important to be at peace. So he thought, you know, if he dies grappling with this guy, which he then was doing, rolling around on the floor with this guy, trying not to get stabbed, killed, he thought, oh, I don't want to spend eternity like rolling around with this guy on the floor. Okay? Um, Harry Dean Stanton is a friend of mine. This is an actor who was in the show Big Love, and he was a pretty renowned atheist.
2: That was about polygamy, wasn't it? Big Love?
0: Yeah, Yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Bill Paxson and Mm -hmm. Harry Dean. I knew dean pretty well. So recently he passed away. Right. And I interviewed him on the flip side about oh, cool. what it was like over there. Yeah. And what's funny about that is because his, he's very famous for being an atheist and saying nothing. There's nothing over there. And I was like, so what, you know, how was, what was that when it when you realized there was something? He said, at first I was, I thought you fall into a dream. And he thought he was in a dream. And the dream, by the way, was presented to him by Luana, our mutual friend.
2: Right. He okay. was very
0: tight with Harry. Right. And what makes it so interesting is that just a month prior to this, this interview with Harry passing away, I had learned that Luana and Harry Dean Stan and another guy had driven up to the Monterey Pop Festival in 1967 together. So, But he's now, through a medium, telling me, you know, I thought I was in a dream. I was in this car. It was 1967. I was with Luana and this other guy. It's the other guy I know. And I was thinking, God, this is so weird. I just heard this story a month ago, 20 years, you know, 50 years after it happened. Anyway, and so he described this idea of thinking he was in, that's the afterlife. You fall into a lovely dream.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
0: ultimately, they had a flat tire. And when they got out to fix the flat tire, he looked at the guy fixing the tire and said, wait a second, we didn't have a flat tire. And the guy went, I know. And it was at that moment he realized he was actually in the afterlife. He said, it's like they gave me a soft landing.
2: They had to ease him into it because he was so fixed in his ideas about rubbish. You know, that's a
3: beautiful
2: story. You often wonder about atheists who passed, you know, how they ease you into it. Um, By the way, you're uh,
0: you're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, can I tell you, so I interviewed in in this book, and it gets a little far afield, and we wouldn't have to get into it too much, but I decided that I would just see who I could talk to. Hmm. And at first I focused on just people I knew, people I had met,
2: what about George Harrison? Have you chatted to him?
0: I did. That's what made me think of him. Okay. So uh, the idea, though, is I'm, tr- I'm not trying to sell celebrity. Look, I've, this is yeah. my business. Uh, my brother was engaged to his sister-in-law. So it's not that I didn't have a connection to him. You see?
2: This is it's- George Harrison.
0: George Harrison's wife, her sister, and my brother were engaged. They didn't wow. get married. But, so I I had that little weird connection. Then I have another friend who was very tight with him and produced some of his work. So it's easier if you have a frequency connection. Of course, if you just say, I wanna talk to, you know, Genghis Khan, and you don't know anybody who knows Genghis Khan, whoever you're talking to, it's gonna sound like craziness, right? Unless you know enough details about the great Khan, I'm just saying. So in our case, what we started with was people that I knew that had passed away, like Bill Paxton, who was a good mm-hmm. friend of mine. I've mm-hmm. known him knew his whole career, knew his wife. You know, I didn't, I haven't met his kids, but Harry Dean Stanton I knew very well. And we go through a list of people who kind of appear because they knew them. So the setting, what I do is that we set up this thing. It's first, it was Jennifer and I would be meeting in a, ca- a cafe and she would say, so-and-so is here. And I would say, really, what, are, you know, what do they want? Why are they here? What do they want to say to us? They, they want to encourage you to write about this. And I'd be like, all right, that's very nice. What's it? Then I started with the questions, like what's it like for you over there? And eventually, after about a year of doing this with Jennifer, and I write about it in Hacking the Afterlife, because mm-hmm. we talked to a, a famous person who passed away, Amelia Earhart. Mm. who i had been working on a film for 30 years about her Mm. and i had three different mediums answer questions directly from her same questions three different mediums same answers but the answers that nobody knows that i know because i've done so much research i'll Mm. just leave it at that Mm. and new information stuff that nobody
1: knows Mm.
0: Mm. you know that i found out from her that I then went, oh, my God, I had no idea this was true. Mm-hmm. She told me something from the other side. So it's that, anyway, I'm getting to the, the, the structure, which is that we have a classroom that is run by Luana, my friend, who mm-hmm. passed away. She's our moderator. When somebody new comes into class, no matter how excited they are to talk to somebody, because they all know that they can talk to people. We're the ones who don't believe we can hear them.
2: Okay, so what you're saying is they all know, on the flip side, that they can talk to people as in incarnated people. Yeah. Yeah, but and, it's it's the incarnated people that are like dope. That, are you know, Yeah, like, don't
0: they don't believe. Can, they don't believe it. That they're the reaching program. out to them. Yeah, yeah, imagine how frustrating that is to be standing over a loved one shouting. It's, I'm fine. It's I've okay. I've seen it
2: so many times, Rich. I've seen it so many times. It's, it is. And I know we're so like, we're in the cone of silence and we're just, and they're like <laughs> knocking and we're going, there's a funny yes. noise. What's that funny noise? Yeah.
0: Well, I yes. love that message that you got, which was so direct, mm. but it was also non-denominational. You know, the message you got from your, that woman who oh. said, like, I'm okay. Everything's okay. It's as it's meant to be, okay. mm-hmm. and and what that that's not interrupting your path. She's not saying, "Oh, look, here's what happens: you go and you die and think about it, like I'm doing." You know? <laughs> disturbing the force yeah she's not doing that she's just letting you know for as much information as she can pass to you is i'm okay
2: she's bringing me peace because i wasn't at peace with her passing yeah yeah yeah
0: i'm okay Mm. and you will eventually understand why and how i'm okay so don't Mm. stress over it Mm. you know i keep asking the question to these people over there why are you in this class why have you appeared why are you talking to me and they answer with a variation of, it's time. You know, people can handle this method. And what I do is I go, so give me a method. What's the best method to talk? I okay, mean, okay, as a means Before
2: we go into the method, it's time okay. as in. It's time for humanity. It's time for you guys to wake up and smell the roses. It's time. Yeah, it's time. It's time to stop being so blinkered.
0: Cone of silence. Cone yeah. of
2: silence.
0: Yeah. Take the Love blinkers that.
2: off. Take your blinkers off. Love that. Okay. So it's time, right? And going on to the method, 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 method. Well, but in I terms of- you, why- Yeah, you... go ahead. Are you chatting to them? Like, why do you need a medium?
0: Well, I, d- I do hear things myself yeah. often. And yeah. I say to the medium, did you want to say this? And she'll say, oh, did you just walk into my head? Uh, she said that to me yesterday. I was just transcribing one of the things. She said, his daughter says she wanted to be a play. I said, a playwright. She said, I didn't say that. <laughs> well, I heard it. But yeah, no, I, I think we're all that way. I think we're all that way. And, I do you know, and, it, and I know, and this is what my friend Jennifer always says, and I'm sure it's true for you. you it's, it would be wonderful if you didn't have to tell anybody anything if you could just enjoy your life and your journey, if they could find it out for themselves. But that's not the case. They come to you because your frequency is tuned so that you can hear these messages. And it's really important to honor you for that, to thank you for that, because you're taking something a lot of people would put blinders on, cone of silence, until, until their next life they go, Jesus why did, and i've been I've been able to do this for like many lifetimes. I don't know why I don't help people yeah. you know it it is helping heal people, mm-hmm. and I think there's no more noble calling
2: yeah that you can have I used to get frustrated with uh psychics because um they would just regurgitate a whole lot of stuff about you you already knew. And I used to say, you know, what, what point is that? Like you pay someone a couple of hundred bucks to hear you went on a trip and your mother died and blah, blah, all this stuff, you know, about your life. Right. Yeah. And, um, and people were like, Oh my God, she's so amazing. She told me this and this and this and this and this, all the stuff, you know, and I'm like, well, what did she tell you that you didn't know?
1: New information.
2: New information. Exactly. And then my mob said to me, well, you know, this whole psychic phenomena has been to show you know to present evidence that psychic ability is possible so a whole lot of people are going to a whole lot of psychics just to present this evidence which was not my job as a medium of a psychic to do that and actually i can't do that i don't see people's houses or know that they've been i mean i don't get that information and wasn't my a part of my plan but um lottery between, numbers a lottery numbers. So it was a part of many many other psychics plans because people needed that evidence that you yeah. can right. actually tap into an expanded consciousness and expanded awareness so
0: well let me yeah. ask you so what was your first conscious thought that you could talk to spirit?
2: Oh, you know, I've got that book behind me because I've written all about it in the book. I've written a couple of books about it. But, you know, mum dies and I'm 16 and she's coming to me in dreams telling me she didn't die. And I'm saying to her, well, where the hell have you been if you didn't
1: die? <laughs> That's funny.
2: And then I'd wake up in the morning and go, oh, my God, she's still dead. Because in the dream, much like you in your yeah. uh, astral experience or whatever you want to call it, it is as real as real as real as real. So in this conversation I'm having with my mother in this other reality, I'm believing I'm really- So is
0: she is she part of your Bob?: Oh
2: yeah, yeah. OK, well, that's a long story. She's actually reincarnated, and she's now oh. 21. And so I've watched her for 21 years. You do know her. I've, I know, Yeah, I've watched the continuity. So I knew her as my mother, you know, like just doing the Hollywood thing. She was very beautiful when she was young, and she's still very beautiful now that she's in another body. Uh, she was so beautiful that when Frank Sinatra came out here many, many moons ago, he dated her for a little while. And, um, you know, I think he said, show me the most beautiful woman in Sydney. Ah, uh, there you go. They presented her. It's like... But she had a lot of dreams and a lot of desires she didn't fulfill in that life, and I'm watching her fulfill them in this life. So is she part of my mob? Yes. <laughs> but in more ways than one. Well, uh, there's
0: also that aspect that some part of her is always back home.
2: Always right? there. Always and this home. is what's so interesting. She came to me in a very clear vision um, as mom. Yeah. Uh, when her current incarnation was a child of about I don't know I can't remember how old she was Um, she was little but she came to me as mum in a vision in the shower when my best friend committed suicide she came to me to tell me but I was in the shower and I said look I don't have time for this I've got to go I'm I'm busy (laughs) I shoot her away (laughs) so you know, we're much more malleable. Uh, There's not this blob here and then a blob there. There's no such thing as time, which is what you were talking about. It's much yeah. more expansive and malleable and, you know, as you say, um, what do they call it? Quantum.
0: Quantum entanglement. Yeah. Entanglement.
2: Quantum... It's, we are much more it? entangled. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it, it's a topic that comes up quite a bit and people do, you know, they have an experience afterlife or between lives where they feel like there is no time and we can experience yeah. all lives at the same time, time. But, but it's important to note that that's something you can experience, but in terms of lifetimes it, there's a linearity and that linearity, because you wouldn't learn anything.
2: There's a continuum, it's a conti- like to be a witness to someone to someone's life yeah. to You know, in my one lifetime, I'm watching someone experience two lifetimes. It's so fascinating to see. Well, that's
0: unusual. <laughs> that's
2: continuum. Cool. Well, you know, I think we're all doing it all the time. We're just not privy to it.
0: Yeah, that's true. No, and you do meet people on the road and you feel like, I feel like I've known you forever. Yeah. And it's likely you have.
2: Yeah, and grandmothers, you know, children, grandchildren often are grandmothers that get died and all this sort of stuff. It's off Yeah. You know, you know, you look so much like your grandmother, they'll say, you know, and, um, and they'll go, Yeah, it's like because you are your grandmother <laughs> And you know no, I'll tell
1: really- you. Yeah. Oh go ahead.
2: Oh, when go my ahead. little my daughter was little, uh, you know, we got in the car, I think she's about five and she goes, Put your seatbelt on and I said, Now listen, kid I'm the mother in this life. You might have been, I'm supposed to be yeah. the one that says that to you. And she looked at me with this cheeky little grin and she said, I'm the mother, I'm the mother, I'm the mother. As you know, we were kind of arguing about roles. It's like, oh, no, hilarious. you're the kid this time. I'm the mother this time.
0: Well, I like that. I like that. There's a scene in a movie if I ever heard it, right?
2: <laughs> Very funny. There's a, scene, that's in a
0: scene in a movie, yeah, if I ever heard it.
2: I'm the mother.
0: No, you're not. You're the child. This
2: time you're the child, yeah.
0: That's yeah. very good. Well, I was going to say, I've done this a little bit with, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with channeling Eric.
2: Oh, yeah. Here's, I love. I yeah. chat to Eric. I love Eric. I, I was oh, okay. on Elisa's show the other day, and she's one of the authors in my book behind oh, me. Oh, very so, good. Um, I love channeling Eric. And, and, you know, I love that she and you, you're both the same in that you've got these beautiful, inquisitive minds and you're intelligent, and, uh, you know, she does the same thing. She's interviewing yeah. people in the afterlife. No, I know,
0: and we've interviewed some it. of the same. In fact, it was yeah. through, when I first met her, she, I, what happened was I had heard something online. I had found her website, and I would heard something online that she didn't hear. So it was like there was an interview that was being done, and you could hear people responding while the medium was asking the question. So have you been reincarnated? You know, and then you hear a voice go, yes. Yeah. And then, and then she would say, I heard him say yes. And I was like, I heard him say yes too. <laughs> exactly. So I pointed that out to her. And, uh, and so we became friends. And then I saw her once when she was in okay, LA. Hey,
1: great. And
0: recently uh, she was doing a session with somebody and they were talking to Eric. I can't remember. Oh, they were interviewing uh, Chris, not Christopher, but Stephen Hawking. And at the very end of the Stephen Hawking interview, if you get a chance. To, yeah. It's a me, good, a it's a good interview
2: see. with Veronica Drake. Yeah. It's good.
0: Yeah, Oh, very good. And it was at the very end. There's like one, like just a few seconds before it ends. And Elise says, love you, Eric. And you can hear Eric say, love you, mom.
2: Love you, mom. It's well, clear as a bell. She just put up an interview she did with me the other day and I'm rabbiting on. I'm not being, I'm not, being interviewed by, you know, talking to Eric. She's just talking about deliberate creation. So I'm just rabbiting on like the way I rabbit on. But I'm talking about being deliberate in creating that connection, you know, to to create anything you have to, you know, be deliberate and relax and chill out. And I'm saying, you know, why do people want to connect with their loved ones? Because they want to return to that good feeling. They want to feel good again. They want to return to love. And then you hear Eric in an EVP at exactly 39 minutes say, yeah! (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're kidding oh that's fine. so that's you does she have that up online because i'll yeah, take a look then.
2: i tell you what else we would i did an interview with a you know i don't call them interviews i call them conversations but, uh yeah. with uh lisa wettenheimer who channels prince and the two of us were channeling prince and there's an evp on that where lisa's saying you know he did that for good reason he was talking about him changing his um name to the symbol yeah. And we were talking about the political, you know, why he did that and, you know, had Slave on his Anyway, And there's a very strong EVP and that too where he says, I sure did or something. And it's his voice. If you listen to interviews with him and then you listen to that EVP, it is his voice. It's fantastic. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, fabulous. I love that. Mm.
0: Well, that, it's interesting because, I mean, the reason you you mentioned his name is because he shows up quite a bit.
2: Oh, he's in our amazing. Classroom. I could tell yeah. you stories about Prince. You know, Lisa calls him Saint Germain. She says that his he was Saint Germain in a past life, you know. Purple Rain. If anyone talks about, say, you know, Purple Rain, and oh, look, he—he's a ama- prince is amazing. And what's even, you know, when he was alive as Prince, I was not attracted to him or his music at all. I only became a fan of Prince after he exited the Matrix.
0: <laughs> well, it's I—it's odd because I met him years ago when I was writing music reviews for Variety, right. and uh-huh. so I was assigned to, you know, do one of his shows and. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, this guy is so, he was so talented. Oh, yeah. so amazing. But I saw backstage, I was at a VIP thing with him. And I, mm-hmm. I remember thinking to myself, you know, this guy's really full of himself and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I had that kind of weird blinders on. And it wasn't until, because he showed up willy-nilly, he didn't, we didn't ask for him to show up. He just showed up in one of our conversations, me and Jennifer. Uh, and it, we we talked to him at Hacking the Afterlife. And then he's shown up quite a pit in our classroom where he talks about frequencies. It's you know, this big thing is music. He talks about ride using music to ride frequencies. Mm-hmm. Plus, he talks about because we've interviewed people who claim that you know when they crossed over, he was there or somebody like him was there mm-hmm. and yanked them and put them right on stage. And so they went right from like I'm dying to being on stage with a crowd of like 50,000 people cheering. And this one musician that I was friends with, he said, you know, I thought I was on stage until I saw my mom in the front row. And then I realized I'm not on stage. I can't be. My mom passed away. Oh, that means I passed away. Another one of those soft landings.
2: Another soft landing. Your work is fascinating, Rich. You know what I want to, okay, there's a couple of things I wanted to say. Um, Please. A young man said to me the other day, you know, I don't want to talk about woo-woo stuff anymore. I want to get more real because people are not grounded <laughs> enough. And um, people want to talk about afterlife and they want to talk about kundalini and they want to talk about aliens and they're all up there, but, you know, we've got to bring this, make it real, make it grounded. So the question came to mind was how does this, knowing all this affect our physical lives but you actually answered that in the first part of the conversation because you said you know the stanford university stuff is doing studies about it and then they're bringing through amazing technology like what they're learning in their light classes for a better word yeah where you know they're imparting this knowledge to us and we're bringing it into this dimension so it It's very grounded in that respect. It's it's
0: uh... well, and it's but okay. And I would say there's there's two aspects to that to -hmm. that question. And to answer it, one is, is there science that people are doing? Science as we know it. And the truth, the answer is yes. So if you look at the University of Virginia, there's a group called the Department of of uh, Perceptual Studies, Mm -hmm. DOPS. And the people involved, I met them all. We have Dr. Bruce Grayson, who does near-death events. We have Ed Kelly, who has written some unbelievable books about PSI, uh, you know, ESP. Um, Those books are fantastic. Dr. Jim Tucker, who writes about reincarnation, he took over the work from Ian Stevenson. So you've got real scientists, peer-reviewed journals talking about real stuff. So that's great. But there's another aspect which is this grounded thing and I must say it came up the other day in a conversation we were having with someone over there mm-hmm. and they they said you're getting it mixed up being open to hear using the highest chakra on your body that's grounding you that's where you're grounded it's there that you need to be grounded. It's here because we're having this experience on stage. I like to call it in the fish tank.
2: Hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, okay, say that again. I want you to say that again. I'm trying to. So you're getting it mixed up. Okay, so people are all talking about that chakras and you're you know anyway so get look. focus <laughs> on your base chakra and ground and you know focus
0: on the focus on this chakra I, okay.
2: this chakra so is there's... the
0: one that goes that connects you directly to yeah the other side where we are that's our normal state of being
2: normal state of being yeah mm-hmm. so you're
0: connected to that this is all virtual reality like the VR headset that you pop on yes. and this is how yeah, the ready player one, this is how we experience the journey and everything else. But when you take off the goggles, you're back home.
2: Okay. So to be grounded, you actually open your crown chakra. Now that is illuminating. <laughs> Thank you.
0: I, I can't take any credit for it. I heard it like in a session the other day. The Both Jennifer box. and I were saying, what? what What? is that you know like what are you talking about so you know but i was going to tell you in terms of elise and channeling eric yeah so so elise you know called me up and she said you know rich i've got these you know different mediums that are that want to be participate and so would you do me a favor and interview them and i think she thought i was going to interview them you know the way a skeptic would you know because i'm a film guy and i would say Mm -hmm. like you know so Tell me, you know that sort of way. But as you can hear, I'm not interested in that. So I have interviewed oh maybe half a dozen mediums like yourself, and asked them the same question I asked you: it was like, what was your first conscious thought about mediumship or that you could hear people? Now it's interesting because you are connected to the person, the person who came through to you very clearly was somebody you knew, and yeah. somebody stayed in touch with and that's fantastic and it's unique uh people like tony stockwell i talked to him his uh, he wasn't doing the channeling eric thing i just happened to meet him and i said you know can i interview you and we did this interview and he said there was a little boy that used to show up in my bedroom and i said have you is he part of your mob and he said no i've never seen him since Uh and i said would you like to and he said what do you mean what I've found, if I use the same questions that people ask while you're under deep hypnosis, if I ask the same questions, especially to someone like you, who already has the doorway half open, people can not only access the flip side, but they can meet their guides, have a conversation with their guides, and then go in and meet their counsel. Yeah. The guides who guide the guide yeah and i've been doing that now and there are some videos on my website martini prods at uh on youtube i did it with dr drew dr drew is a kind of famous um i saw
2: that i saw that episode and it was something that i wanted to talk to you about in this too because you know uh so people are always asking me how do i connect how do i connect with my mob my give guides yeah um, I gave them a prettier name years ago. I called them blissful beings because it was what I called my massage business when I was a young masseuse. And um, they said, "Who the hell? Do you th- who do you think blissful beings are?" car when I was saying, "What's your name? What's <laughs> your name?" And uh, so the mob.
0: <laughs> I'm curious why when you're when you're making those like a funny voice for so they always sound like Americans. They never sound like Aussies. Why is that? I'm kidding. <laughs>
2: what was i saying why, i've lost my why is that what are you, doing? What are you talking what about? saying what were we just i've lost my train of thought oh,
0: now. uh blissful beings uh so the question was uh how do you connect to the people on the other oh, side
2: you uh, interviewing the psychologist on the show so i watched you do this um like he's you know just asking close your eyes and asked him questions and you yeah. and he said you've hypnotized me and so it was just so simple, so easy, so easy, yeah. easy. And this is what I say to my little tribe. It's easy, 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 easy. Because once I, you know, found out that I was doing it, I realized I'd been doing it all my life. And I realized that it's you've just got to make it easy. It's you know, yeah. it's not extra it's who we are. We are connected. It's just this yeah. it's this thought that we're not connected, like they say in the movie powder, a little block in our third eye. You just unplug it. And you're just like, <laughs> you're connected. And yeah. um, you just got to unblock it by changing your mind. And so watching you do this to this psychologist and having him on the flip side chatting away to his mob and, te- and sitting in the radio studio with you and talking to you you yeah. he's saying, you've hypnotized me, but you did it in a second. Or, you know, you didn't hypnotize Well, you. what's <laughs> funny, I,
0: you know, as I said, I'm drinking coffee. I don't know how I could possibly hypnotize you, A. And then, B, I'm not telling you what you're saying. You're telling me. I'm asking questions. Yeah. You, know, I, it's, you know, if I could do it, if I could do that, you know, wave that thing. I, I have no idea how to do that. But my favorite moment is when he said to me, I said to him, can we ask your guide to walk you into your council? And he said, What's what's a counsel? And I said, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to your guide who knows yeah. what I'm talking about. So yeah. either he's gonna walk us in or he's not. That's up to you. And yeah. and then he went like, Okay, we're inside, blah blah blah. I just thought that was hilarious because of course his conscious mind was saying, I don't know what it is you're talking about. Yes. But it also shows that he's not familiar with the research or literature or or he's ever seen me do that before this he has no concept of what a council might be none zero okay and, okay and I so to it.
2: get to, to get your version of the council because i was having a bit of a chat with my mob before uh we came on and i'm because i was listening i was re-listening to your interview with george what would
0: they like to know
2: uh well i said to them you know about the council i said is so is the council your soul family? And they gave me some ideas about that. So I want to hear your ideas and then I'll tell you what they said to me. Who Who, okay. who are the council?
0: Well, who are the council? I could, I'll just give you the quick, as quick as I could put it. Michael Newton discovered when he was doing these sessions that people would describe going in to meet this, these elevated beings. Mm-hmm. Elevated blobs of light, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep.
0: And, and uh, you know, everybody had a different sort of experience. Sometimes it was like awe-inspiring. Sometimes in my case, I felt like I was going to see some old friends of mine. So I had that weird experience.
3: Right. That,
0: that these guys on the council are anywhere from six, usually, six to 12. Mm-hmm. I've met a couple of people who've had like three or four. But in Newton's case, six to 12 individuals, roughly. That's about as many as you can handle. Now what I've discovered, and I just discovered it like this past week, was that because I, I I realized I can there's no reason I can't ask questions to these council members. Hypnotherapists normally don't ask questions. Where are we? Where would you like to go? They go, I want to go visit my council or whatever. And then they get in there and they and they kind of say, describe the environment. And I go, skip all that. Let's go up to the first guy, take a hold of his hand. What's his story? What's his name? What are you doing here? I'm like Columbo. You know, I'm like the detective on the case. Like, how did you get into this council? <laughs> what's funny is I asked, apropos of nothing, I said the other day I was doing this with somebody. Where was it? It's like a coffee shop or something. No, it was a, yeah, a restaurant. It was like a studio executive who was asking me about the Dr. Drew. And I said, do you want to talk to your council? So next thing you know, we're talking. So I said to her council member, one of them, she had, I think, ten, no, nine on her council. I went around each one. Who are you? How did you earn this position on their council? Give me a word that represents your role. And they always give me one word. Even though these people have no courage, in this case it was courage, she had seen this council member, it was an African council member, who was dressed like a slave, she said. And I said, why are you dressed like that? She said, to represent the struggles that our friend is going through in her life. And I learned acceptance with courage. Great, okay, thank you. But ultimately, I was going to say, you go up and you ask, Oh, the, so the thing I asked her, which I've never asked before, I said, so how many how many councils are you on? Right. And she said three. All
1: right.
0: that, was new. that was news. And then I went to her lead council member. Everybody has one. They're usually the spokesperson. Usually you don't talk to them. They all sit there. And this lead person like does all the chatting. But I've learned they don't get to talk to anybody. So go talk to them. What's the big deal? This lead council member said that she, she's on 12 different councils. And I wow. thought, wow, it's disconcerting for people to hear that their council is also moonlighting with other people, other people that they might even know.
2: So yeah, no, how I about that? I don't find that disconcerting at all. I, th- I find that beautiful.
0: Well, you're open to it. But other people yeah. are like jealous. Like, what? Mm. What do you mean? I thought I thought this was... I thought you were only here for me. I can it's tell It's all about
2: that me. It's all about me. Yes. But it just, it, it, it shows you that, oh, you know, there is no me. There is only we, you know, this whole me That's thing. That's
0: right. No, no, it's true. Anyway, so I, it's, it's fascinating to be able to talk to council members. In my case, I found eight and I didn't go around each one of them because I didn't know I could. I was just following the hypnotherapist, you know, lead. And we, I had one spokesperson who spoke on behalf of everybody, I had questions to ask him, which yeah. he answered. The yeah. main question that people ask when they get to their council yeah. is to ask, why me? Why did I choose me? Why did well, I choose this lifetime?
2: Why did I choose this body, this personality, these circumstances, this life? This lifetime. Bingo. Right. Exactly.
0: Right. And only you can answer that. Yeah I can't answer for anybody else but yeah. I could answer for me I understood clearly when they showed me and and I saw in my mind's eye which by the way they showed me like a glimpse of it and I felt like oh I just I get a glimpse of this and then you know two or three sessions later remember I did five Yeah, I was actually like full on I was right there it was a life planning session
2: you so were, I had
0: a glimpse yeah. of it it was just enough information for me to say I Feel like I was at my life planning session and I said I'd like to be this guy, this film guy yeah, because the kind of work that he's going to do is going to heal people mm. and I said I just wish I'd chosen somebody more successful at it which got a laugh from everybody on the council and it got a laugh from the hypnotherapist. The only time in my life I've heard laughs from two different realms at the same time <laughs> but Subsequently, since then, I think it was the fifth session that I did with Scott Detamble, where I was at that session. You know, fully looking around the room, me arguing. All right, now, here's what I want to do. You know, I think this is <laughs> the ego of humans. This is really going to work. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to save people with that, and blah blah blah. Now, I must tell you this, and I, this is why I want to talk to your counsel. I've heard. Council members say to me, you know, I'm they're, they're doing a session with somebody else and they'll go, oh, we have a message for Rich. Yeah. And the message is something like, keep up the good work, you know, or keep going or you're Paragraph. on the right path, whatever, whatever. It's mm-hmm. never like, no, no, no. <laughs>
3: yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I did hear one really great quote and it's good for your audience. I had heard from a filmmaker that I knew who passed away. And he said, nobody ever comes over to this side, wishing that they held back more during their lives.
1: Yeah. exactly.
0: that's a good one.
3: Don't
1: hold back. It's
2: interesting because I think there's books that have been written, you know, deathbed confessions and by nurses and stuff like that, that have, and people are even having that thought before they leave the body. You know, I wish I had a kiss that girl when I had the chance. I wish I had have done that thing. I wish I had have, not held back. Yeah. I wish I had have been braver, more courageous, done it, you know, motion forward, just gone out there and done it. Yeah.
0: Next, next time.
2: Next time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is the argument for reincarnation that a lot of scientists say too, you know, you're not going to live fully if you, if you think you can get it right next time.
0: Well, that's funny, but you know, I, as I'm fond of saying, uh, I had a professor who used to say this to me. In fact, he's in the book. Um, he used to say, I'd agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I, you know, I, I, yeah, the thing is that, you know, generally what I'm hearing consistently is that there's no religion that's got all the answers. Mm-hmm. They all lead to the same garden. Mm-hmm. My new saying, I like to say is all roads lead to home. Mm-hmm. which is that place that we go back to and so it you know it doesn't matter if somebody's got it right or got it wrong or have a mistake or that's the path that they chose mm-hmm. so to be here and hang out and experience and you know be the scientist with the helmet on the cone of silence because listen if as an athlete if you go on the field and you put those helmets on let's say or whatever it is you're playing rugby and you know somewhere in the middle of the game you start going do i really need to be out here running people over you know the game's over you've ruined yourself so there's something to be said for the person who just damn it all just goes right onto stage give me the spear i'm going to charge i'm going to learn everything later yeah, i'm going to enjoy the ride
2: exactly you know
0: like you in the shower saying Later, I can't deal with you right now, Mom.
2: <laughs> I know it's a funny. story. Talk to story. me later. Talk to me later. It was. So, it's the most. It's the most vivid experience I've had because uh, she really engaged all my physical senses.
3: Wow.
2: Uh, you know, I see them very clearly in here, but I love like the Jamie Butler. You know, Jamie Butler was one of the first meetings yeah, yeah. That Lisa met who spoke to, and sure, I've had her on the show, and she, you know, perceived- oh, I met her.
1: She's, she, she's
2: lovely. She's amazing. She perceives subtle energy through her outside eyes and you know, I've had a few spoken and that always fascinates me. I can see lights and sort of a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but nothing like these people perceive. Their their ability of perception with their physical senses is just mind blowing. It's just mind blowing. Well,
0: do you want to hear a cute story about Jamie? Yeah. So I was I got an email from a woman in South Carolina that I've never met.
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: interviewed her for Hacking the Afterlife, but I, I don't know her. And I, we spoke maybe via Skype, I think. That's as much as I know of her. But she sent me an email and she said, you're supposed to see Jamie Butler. Right. And I said, I, what are you talking about? She said, I was washing the dishes in my apartment and Jesus came through
1: mm-hmm. and
0: told me to tell you to go see Jamie Butler. Mm-hmm. And
1: I thought,
0: Jesus, really? Is that is that who had to come through to tell you that? Yeah. Okay. Got
1: the big so guy.
0: But I'm thinking to myself, I don't know I don't know Jamie, but mm-hmm. I look her up. Turns out she's in LA that week. Right. And so I went over to uh, you know, one of the things that she was doing. Yeah. And I introduced myself and I said, you know, you, I use some of this your interview with Eric in my book, Hacking the Afterlife, thank you, because <laughs> I'd emailed her, I'd never met her, and uh, and so she was channeling Eric at that moment, and so Eric was saying to me, can you help my mom with uh, the movie that she's supposed to make out of my book, and I was like, yeah, I'll try that, but but Eric, let me tell you how I got here, you know, and I told him the story, and then he said, oh, so you, you met my pal, right, my pal Jesus came through, and I yeah. went, I said, well, what about him? Can we talk to him? And she said, come back tomorrow. So the next day, I came back for the the next session, and she channeling uh, an English woman that she channels. Oh,
2: Grace. Mm -hmm. Grace, very Mm -hmm. good.
0: And the entire session was Grace interviewing Jesus. It was fascinating. And she went around the room and everybody in the room got a chance to ask a question and get an answer what's fascinating to me about this whole research especially in his case is that his story is an alternate story to what everybody's heard i write about it in hacking the Afterlife*. he sure as,
2: in, as in jesus you're talking as
0: about. in the dude yeah the as guy as was the, here
2: all right okay i'm just making sure that you're talking about he as not and not an as in eric as in jesus
0: yeah i'm sorry yeah yeah that's all and it was just, it's just fascinating because I have never, I filmed it. I had never seen it before. It was that idea of her as somebody else, not as Jamie, but as Grace, interviewing this guy and letting him speak through her Mm -hmm. to people's questions. And it was hilarious because at some point somebody was offended because Jesus didn't say, I love you (laughs) when he finished talking and complained. And so it was just one of those weird, funny, things that people do. So anyway, the point is is we go into a brain freeze when we use names like that. I do anyway. I
2: yeah. We do.
0: It's a brain yeah. freeze. And so I avoid, you know, I avoid using those names generally.
2: I avoided yeah. using his name for years yeah. as well. Yeah.
0: But what I realized when I was doing hacking the afterlife, I realized I avoided talking about how many people, and there were at least a dozen, who would approach me apropos of nothing. Guy from India, person uh, you know, in a in a conference somewhere, just comes over to me, starts telling me, I I have this recurring dream that I lived at the time of, or in the case of flip side, a woman, a close friend of mine, who under hypnosis suddenly starts saying, I you know I'm living and I'm seeing him and he's like a friend of mine. Yeah. apropos of nothing. So at some point I realized I was the one preventing his story let's say, without a capital H, this fellow story who kept showing up willy-nilly, I was preventing telling that story. So I do that in Hacking the Afterlife. You know, I find it very unusual. That book's been out for maybe two years now, maybe Mm. a year, maybe two years. Mm. People complain about my research about Amelia Earhart because they don't want to hear that she was captured by the Japanese and died on saipan i've been to saipan i you know i've got tons of research showing what happened to her but nobody nobody complains about this jesus research i find that really fascinating so has he shown up in any of your sessions
2: darling one let me just show you um you know i was uh oh bugger. Get out of the way. Bugger,
0: did you call Jesus a bugger? Is that no, what you
2: said? I'm trying I'm trying to Ah, Jesus, to... you
0: heard her. You heard her, didn't you? Oh, I'm, I'm, trying... I'm sorry. Wait, wait, before we get there, before we go there. Yeah. Your counsel. Let's talk to your we were talking about your counsel. We don't have to go down this path anyway. I just I was just randomly riffing. But we were talking about your counsel.
2: Okay, the question I asked you is who are the who are the counsel? Are they different to your soul family? Are they different to your guides? Are they different to your angels? So how? Who are they? You know, like I just mob them all in together because yeah, they I like they, that. They show me. You know, they showed me this faceless mob of more people than I could count that were just oh. like outlines of bodies. Yeah, that was just light, really. Just and I used to scream out. You know, when I was young, like everyone had a name for their higher self, and or they were talking to Jesus, or they were talking to Mary, or someone was channeling their, you know, galactic guides, and they all had these identities. And I was yeah. saying, "Come on, guys, give me an identity, give me an identity. Here. Who am I talking to here?" Because they just presented this as this mob. It really wasn't until I I heard um, Esther Hicks, you know, from the channeling um, from the Abraham teachings, talk about it being. Yeah. A stream of consciousness that I'm just like, oh, you know, my puny linear mind is trying to put this stream of consciousness into some sort of. I'm trying to dumb it down, and they're yeah. not, and they're not letting me dumb it down. They're yeah, just yeah, presenting, way. you know, they're like these balls of light, and I'm like, give me a face because I've got a face, you know, get around face. Give me a face. But uh, I've had a couple of past life regression things, and both times you know, my mate Jesus has showed up and I could not talk about him because it just it just reeked of Bible bashes, you know. Right, right. And it just right. it irked me. It just irked me. So I couldn't even say his name, a bit like you, you know. Yeah. And he kept Landry. showing up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, wow. I had to make peace with that whole, you know, how his name has been used by religious people. Knocking on your door, saying Jesus is going to save your life—it's like go away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, t- two things about that. One is the mob. The mob. So I was so this came this this came as a detail just about a week ago, and it was that the frequent the amplification of the frequency is better over there if there's more people involved.
2: Say that again. Say that again.
0: So the amplification of transferring messages or trying to talk to somebody is better, stronger over there. On the flip side, if more than one individual is involved. So the idea of a classroom of people trying to reach out to you or helping you access information, that makes sense. Your mob, it's, it's like an engine. So it's like they've all, if they're all in the room at the same time, they get a stronger, better, more amplified way of conversing with you. I'm just saying mm, that's what came to mind. I had just heard that the other day.
2: Fascinating. Well, what they said to me when I asked before we came on today, I said, is it part of my soul family? And they said, no, not really. And okay. I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, well then who is the council exactly? And they said, well, they're really, a group of beings that are specifically set up to help you with what you're doing in any one lifetime. Be it Very good. And I'm like, okay, right. And um, <laughs> they said to me, and, you know, depending on what you do with your life, different council members will join or leave. So um, I remember, you know, if you're a historian, then you're going to have someone on the council that's going to help you with that. Or if you're an artist, then someone will help you with that. Or if you're psychic or you know and there are different stages on your life in your life where you are that or not that and so those council members don't specifically need to be there when you're not you know like when you were younger and you weren't doing this work you didn't need the guys that were on your council now or the people or the blobs of light that are there now helping you do this you know so they come and go but uh, you know you've got your soul family that's always with you like your tribe or
0: yeah, your uh, classroom, your cl- your university class.
2: Yeah, that, you
0: know, And there might be 100 people in there. There might be 20. There might be 10. So I've seen people with – and those are the people you normally are here with.
2: Yeah, right? you can dance with in life, like you reincarnate. Some of them, yeah. And, and there's
0: affiliated – yeah, that's right. There's affiliated people. But they're generally – the people over on the councils are generally non-incarnating. They've already gone okay. through. So if you look at it from a hierarchical idea, because right. yeah. I got this from. I'll, let me explain how I got this. So, I was doing my second session with Scott the and I he said, "Can we access your guide?" Now I had met him two years earlier with somebody else, and so there I am. I'm seeing him again. You know, Claire Isabel, just the same guy that I met before, and he's he's very open. He's a funny guy. You know, he's a gentle but but very uh, quiet, nice guy. Let's just put it that way. So when I ask him a question, he'll give me any answer I need. You know, he feels like a like a fellow traveler. Yeah. So I said to him, uh, well, tell, explain your journey. So Scott asked me, like, when did you become Richard's guide? Right. And so he said, well, it kind of works like this. And he went into this whole explanation. He, meaning me talking to, Through him or him talking through me whichever however you put it but as i started to speak i physically felt myself back there Mm -hmm. the richard that's back there that little that little guy shift his consciousness over to the guy like zoop not all of it some of it Mm -hmm. that water that quantum entanglement Mm -hmm. i zipped over to him so now i'm in him you're in him in him, and I'm now describing his journey. Wow. The many lifetimes he
2: had. Wow.
0: And the and the journey that he had. He said, and so now, in terms of Richard, you have to think of a light of a of a soul's journey as a giant blank canvas. And you get together with your guide and you decide what paint is going to be on this canvas. And you consider each lifetime is going to give you some red and pink and blue and green. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of all your lifetimes, there's this vast beautiful portrait of a soul. He said, I went through that experience. And when I graduated, Richard was my graduation gift. What a clever way to put it. His graduation gift was my young little soul that had only gotten so far and now I'm presented to him, and he and I worked out roughly what I was looking to accomplish through all the journeys and all those lives, what the canvas is going to be look like, and he then proceeded to help me with the very initial ones that I did, which were not here, somewhere else, etc., cetera, et cetera, until the very first time, it's like, okay, I think you're ready, and it was like, caveman time i saw my like a journey and then i went through all of them you see anyway and when he's done when he's done as a guide and he's incarnated with me a couple of lifetimes because i begged him i can't get through this without you and he was like all right i'll play your Mm -hmm. grandfather. he came down and did that and when he's done with me when i graduate he'll join a council
2: Okay so he's no not on the camera. he's it, just Okay, ah this is fascinating. I love this. Right. Yeah, mhm. This is cool. <laughs> Isn't this cool? It's yeah, cool? It's fine. I yeah. can, I can hear your wife and you know getting dinner ready so I know you probably have to go and walk. No no,
0: it's all, don't worry about it. I, you know, they're just back there that's our ghosts in the house That's your ghosts
2: in the house. Look, ah, uh, okay. So he's chatting to you about your soul planning sessions, and but not only were you planning uh, life planning sessions, the the life of uh, Rich Martini, you were planning a whole other life, a whole slew of them. And well, he, the
0: canvas. What's uh, yeah, and the then...
2: canvas? And he was saying, okay, so uh, I'll come and be with you in this life. So he's your guide that is going to incarnate as your grandfather, because you know, so many people say. Yeah. My grandmother, she was just so beautiful. She was just so loving. And you often think, was this person like having a life for them or were they just coming to be a guide for people? Like, you know, to be there as that loving presence yeah. in a physical incarnation and, and yeah. to be there. And so he kind of did that with you in a few lives. Well,
0: what I would say for you, for your work, is when that happens, when somebody's talking about their grandmother, let's say, just stop them and say, can we talk to your grandmother? Yeah. Can we, let's ask her. Yeah. And and they're doing the talking, right? Yeah. They're, suddenly they're listening, and you're listening as well, and you can share, like, oh, I got this, I got that. Yeah. And you're asking a simple question. Did you do this lifetime so that you could help guide them through it?
1: Mm-hmm. Are
0: you normally in their soul group, or are you an affiliated person? And they'll answer. You'll get an answer. Like, ah, you know, I, I don't know. I found that you can ask questions to people, No, you know, not here. Yeah. That you wouldn't think you'd get answers to, but they answer it. They do. Yeah.
2: Cause they're talking to us all the time. It's like Neil Donald Walsh wrote in the conversation with God books, which is, you know, you asked me that question. When did you really know that you were talking to the mob? And it was I was reading those books in my thirties. I was working as a, an energy healer and and in those books, you know, Neil in his ego self is asking God the questions. And so there's the ego Neil and then there's God answering brilliantly, I've gotta say, just some of the ways that the information flows through is brilliant. And I'm having my own conversation with my own God presence because I'm asking questions yeah. that Neil's not asking and I'm getting the answers. And I realized during that time that, oh my God, I've got this conversation going on. You know, like that's this was happening. This is.
0: I think that's great.
2: And so he says, you know, God says in those books, God is talking to everyone all the time. It's not a matter of who's God talking to, but who's listening.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, well, who's there's that. Well, there's that old saying that if you go into church once a week and say your prayers and talk to somebody who's not there, that's normal. It's when they reply (laughs) that they call you crazy. (laughs) I know. Show me a sign, Zap. Oh, my God. Don't show me a sign. cone of
2: silence. Got to take off the cone of silence. Got to take it because they're talking. Well,
0: listen, also to be fair to your listeners as well, you know, If you look at, you go to a stereo store and you see a thousand different stereo pieces of equipment, you know, am I going to get that Pioneer or whatever the company, I used to sell them. So, you know, which one am I going to get? And now you plug in the speakers, you attach the speakers, and then, you know, maybe you put on your MP3 or you put on your, your old vinyl thing and, you know, put the record on there. And now you're trying to get the sound Right. It takes a lot of filters, and it takes a lot of limiters, as they call them, to get the sound come through mm-hmm. properly. It blocks out a lot of other information that's not right. supposed to happening, right? You block that out yeah. so you can get the message. And that frequency, as Prince would say, that frequency of the music that is just supposed to connect right to your heart so that you can feel it and hear it and experience it, That's how that message comes through. If somebody can't get the message, I was talking to somebody today, they're like, I've never heard a thing. And I think, that's okay. You know, you chose your body. You chose the limiter. You chose the filters. So it'll get you to where you are now. Yes. You know, like your friend who was like, I don't want to hear about any more woo-woo stuff. Mm -hmm. I just want to be grounded. That's great. Mm. That's fine. That's okay. You know, that's the that's the unit that he chose so that he could get to where he is now. Mm. You know, I'm always I'm fond of saying this to people because I meet people who are especially when I go to India and stuff and they're like, well, I was helping somebody, you know, transit into the, you know, and I got rid of the evil spirit. (laughs) And And I always say, you know, it's okay not to. I know we feel the need to help people transit. And I understand that. Especially mm-hmm. if they come to you and they go, help. Yeah. But, but if they don't, the idea that we have to help people along, well, they're going to eventually get there. Yeah. No matter how much help we give. Yeah. You know? And, uh, <laughs> and so that goes for people that we know and love that are thick as a brick when yeah. it comes to this stuff. And, and all you can say is, you're going to see what I'm talking about eventually. I you know.
2: know. I know. You know, I had this conversation with my dad who was a skeptic. I'm just looking at the time. I, we, I could yak with you all day.
0: I know. And, we go. And,
2: uh, wrap uh, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up soon. But, uh, you know, I said to my mob, I want to be there when he, tra- I want to remember, you know, whether I was there or not, I don't know. Cause I don't remember, but I want to have that memory of what he experiences when he's transitioning. You know, I want to, <laughs> I want to kind of go, I told you so. I told you so. <laughs> so i never got they never gave me that memory whether i was there or not i don't know and um and i didn't have connection or communication with him too much after he transitioned and then my husband at the time who didn't think that he could talk to dead people says oh my god i've got your father he has this really clear image of him and i said oh that's great really like he's coming to you and he's not coming to me and you know this is their sense of humor, Rich. And uh, <laughs> uh, and I said, "What's he saying to you?" And he said, "Nothing." And then I tuned into him, and he wasn't saying anything. He was just smiling, you know, just smiling with this all-knowing. Like we didn't have to do that. You were right. I was wrong. I told you so. You know, it's all that's just yeah. all ego stuff. Yeah. Um, because once you're back there, you're just home and you've got, you know, you've got, you've got the backstage pass, as you say, access all areas. And so the, the, what did you call it? The, the virtual reality game, you see it yeah. as the game and it's not so in, as, as, um, important.
0: Yeah, but still it's you, would, yeah, but still you would like to be able to go, I told you so. I know that just, <laughs>
2: To all, to all those you know skeptics and, <laughs> and atheists that say there's no such thing as life after death we want to go right. i told well, you well i'm
0: i'm fond of saying listen first you have to prove to me that there's life before death <laughs> <laughs> because the argument about what it is nobody could really define what it is you know it's not only that we can't define death we can't define life yeah. we can't define words like love there is no scientific definition We all understand it when we feel it, experience it. Mm. I'm fascinated by this concept of unconditional love. We don't have it here. We live in a world of conditional love.
2: We do, but we can have a real good stab at it. You know, we can do our best. to. Well, some parents and some
0: pets... And owners, Mm -hmm. they have an experience of it. But what these people say consistently is, back home, Mm -hmm. that's our natural state of being. Mm -hmm. And I always, I think it's fascinating when I ask people, well, what are you feeling right now? And they'll say, I'm feeling love. And I'll say, what kind of love? And they'll go, it's unconditional. Yeah. And I think it's just not a term that we use like in commercials or in movies. It's, It's not romance. It's none of that. But people do say it consistently. So it's, an, it's something that a scientist can appreciate. Somebody's giving you new information about their journey and their experience that nobody else could have given them. See? That. Can't be a hallucination from something that they thought they knew because mm-hmm. they've never experienced it before. Yeah. So anyway, I was going to say, you know, apropos of the, your dad appearing Um, I was with my wife and I were in Chicago recently and something happened where my wife had this dream and she saw my friend Luana who she had met before Luana passed Mm -hmm. and she said my wife said to Luana like how can you appear in my dream it's like you died 20 years ago (laughs) and the first thing she did was showed her a little rocket ship. Like, I, you know, I took my, my rocket ship to get here. And it was like a the uh, an actual toy that my wife had seen earlier in the day. Right. So it was like she made a reference to the toy. And then she showed her the number 1111. You know, people talk about that. Mm-hmm. Of course, before digital clocks, nobody talked about 1111. But now mm-hmm. that we have digital clocks. But her point was just consider that for a moment. And we talked about it. And I saw it as 111 is like a hallway, mm-hmm. right? And the other 11 is another hallway, like an architectural design. We're over here. They're over there. She said we meet where the decimals are. So they have to lean in to us, adjust their frequency and their limiters. Kind of
2: dial it down a bit.
0: Dial it down. And And we we have to to dial it up a a little bit. There you go. And we meet in the decimals. So that's a method for people to do that. And I'll give you that one, two, three. And I got this from Michael Newton after mm-hmm. he passed.
2: After he passed, right? Yep. And
0: he said, think of the person you want to talk to,
2: mm-hmm.
0: say their name. And the idea was, I said, do did you say it aloud? Or now, mind you, this is Jennifer Schaefer talking, saying this guy, Morton, is in the room. And I'm like, Who's Morton? And she says, It's that guy that was in your book. I said, You mean Newton? She said, Yeah. So who knows if it was him, right? Okay. I don't know. But yeah. this is what. So They're
2: confirming this, it was him. He's so this is, up,
0: okay, very yeah. good. Very good. So this is what Morton is saying. Morton says, Just say the name of your loved one. And now you could say it in your head or aloud. Doesn't matter. And then what's the next step? He said, Ask them the questions. When they answer, before you can form the question, then you'll know you've made a connection.
2: Yes. Exactly. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Because it comes so quickly. Something I find difficult because I get information that comes so fast that it's faster than my brain can compute and fly exactly. that. And I find myself stumbling over things and not finishing sentences because I'm getting all this information. And I'm like, slow. can you slow it down for me? Because they, as you say, they need to dial it down. Dial it down. And we got to yeah. dial it up. Yes, it's exactly right. When you get the information that comes faster, it comes before you finish the question. That's exactly it.
0: So exactly. that's a way exactly. people can thank you,
2: it. Michael. I think you might. It was Michael that was telling you that. Oh, bless him! Ooh, bless him. Oh, look, I think we'll have to finish this on unconditional love. Does everyone very good? That. Thank
0: commentate you.
2: that And uh, it's been just fascinating and such a joy to talk with you today. It's just been beautiful, just a
0: treat. And do me a favor, please send me a link when you finally put it up or however that goes.
2: Oh, I definitely will. Definitely send you the link. So I can
0: share it with my menu.
2: And I was having a time. chat to Sandra Champlain just before we came online. And I said, I'm oh, having lovely. a chat to Rich Martini. Uh, have you had him on the show? And he, she said, no. And I said, would you like to? And she said, definitely. So I'll introduce you to, you, you know, Sandra, she has a podcast called We Don't Die. Oh, and, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and she, she'll fire some more fabulous questions. She'll love this conversation. So. Um, Thank you. Very good,
0: my dear. It was a treat. Okay. I will see you on the flip side.
2: (laughs) No, you'll see me before the flip side. Gee, the wonderful Rich Martini. Boy, I've met someone that can talk more than me. (laughs) How fascinating. How fascinating is he? Just fascinating. I have to say I had a couple of aha moments during that conversation. I hope you did too just a fascinating fascinating man he actually we had a little chat afterwards as we do and he said oh he said some more profound things And i'm like i don't have the recording on but uh one of the things he asked is do my um do my mob do my guides have any messages for me and uh he asked me a few questions that i answered for him and uh, they gave me an image of them all applauding him you know (laughs) you like when you come off stage everyone's applauding they're all applauding him so Uh, He's doing good work in the world, doing brilliant work in the world and um, really opening up some awareness for people about who we are, why we're here, uh, how it all works, how it all works. Because, you know, I've interviewed quite a few different people on the show with their different puzzle pieces and and Rich has uh, a few more puzzle pieces to the whole jigsaw puzzle that we're involved in just fascinating just loved loved rich martini so you know his book is um well he's got a few books but hacking the afterlife is uh the latest book which i haven't read yet actually i'm going to read that book and i'll pop the amazon links up on my uh website you know i'll put this youtube and itunes on my website on a page on my website and i'll put my affiliate links there (laughs) i always forget to tell people to do this so if you want to buy his books, uh, he's got the tourist guide to how to navigate the afterlife, which is called The flip side. Uh, it's a wonderful afterlife. He's got a few books and these are books that are all researchers, but his latest book is Hacking the Afterlife. You know, that's the one where he's got Jesus and Amelia Earhart in there having a chat from the other side. So it'd be interesting to see what they have to say in Hacking the Afterlife. So head on over to my website and um you know, purchase them on my affiliate link and I'll get a couple of cents. It's a way of supporting the the show. And uh, thanks again for watching. It's been wonderful to be with you again. Just loved Rich, just loved Rich. Just thought he was fantastic. And, you know, I do my normal thing at the end of the show. Buy the book, buy my book, you know, join the Inner Sanctum. Book in for a session if you want to hack your afterlife. Do all that stuff. It's all good. It's all on my website. So go to my website check it out if you want to uh, see what I'm up to. But loved that conversation. All right, guys. Love you. Mwah. Thanks again for watching. Bye for now.